Hey everyone, I'm Kim, and welcome back to the next episode of Tranquil Dreams Podcast. We're back on track this week as we jump back into a weekly recap format. Took long enough, right? And um, this week we're talking about week 16 of 2021 uh, as we jump back into the what's up. Um, so for those who are new here, this is about uh, what I'm currently or have been reading, watching, playing, and binging. So that covers books, games, movies, and TV series. Now, without further ado, there are... Um, I can't say that this is going to be particularly an exciting week. It's definitely going to lower the burden a little bit as we get back into some normal recording times and uh, time frames. Um, there are a few highlights to talk about for sure, so let's just jump right in with the first category, reading. Uh, I'm still reading Wayward Kindred. I had hoped to finish the book, but unfortunately things don't go as planned and I didn't really have as much time. So uh, Wayward Kindred is still sitting around. For those who missed the last episode, you can always go back and uh, check what I had talked about it. Um, Wayward Kindred, in short, is a graphic novel by um, the T.O. Comics, uh, which is Toronto Comics. Uh, they have issued a few volumes of Toronto Comics with different names, and um, this time this is called Wayward Kindred. Wayward Kindred brings in the concept of kindred, which is family pretty much. Um, and also family mixed with some type of con uh, concepts of monsters and creative uh, creative imagination of different uh, elements uh, and relationships with uh, family. So whether it's siblings or parents or whatnot. Um, definitely one that I'm having a lot of fun reading. Uh, I wish I had more time to finish it for sure. Uh, I really am miss missing reading right now, but I just really haven't had time for it. Um, but yeah, I mean, in the I, last time, in the last, uh, if you came from the blog, I had shared a few links on previous um, Toronto Comics graphic novels that I had reviewed before. Um, I did realize that I didn't review one of them that I had read, but um, either way, I mean, the... Um, I'll probably share another one just for, you know, <laughs> in case you're just dropping by this time so that you can check it out. Uh, they're definitely worth uh, checking out for sure, especially if you're, <laughs> you're in the Ontario area or, in, or Canadian and know about Toronto. A lot of them feel very familiar, especially for the Toronto comics. Uh, the Wayward series uh, is a little bit different because it's more focused on um, the different themes um, so the previous one they did was Wayward Sisters, which focused on, you know, sisterhood and, um, that sort of thing. Uh, that pretty much wraps it up, wraps up for reading. Um, I'm hoping to finish this one soon enough and then move on to something else. Uh, I might stick in the territory of comics and graphic novels for a little bit just to, um, give myself a little bit of time to, you know, do some relaxing reading instead of very wordy ones. Um, next up is the category of playing. Uh, in terms of games, I actually didn't play too much this week. Um, we're taking, we had a little time off in Game Warp just, uh, and we have a lot of backlog right now to go up, so we're kind of taking it easy. But the next games that we will be reviewing are going to be Spiritfarer and Night in the Woods. Um, which I am definitely looking forward to check out, especially because they're on Game Pass as well. But this week I actually took a little dip back into an old game, except this time I tried out the Game Pass version. Um, I have been meaning to do it, 
uh, and but I just never got around to it. But now that the game is going to be leaving Game Pass on May 1st, I decided to check it out. And that is Thumper. Um, not the rabbit from Bambi. <laughs> Thumper is a very different type of beast. It is uh, categorized and described mostly as a rhythm violence game. What essentially this is, is that it's obviously a rhythm game, but at the same time, it's also a fighting game. Um, it's very action-y, very quick. It's about speed and react, reacting and reflexes. Um, and you play as this kind of space beetle where you're traveling in these different trajectories. The controls are very simple, but they are very hard to master because it requires a lot of um, just reflexes and just reacting quickly, especially finding the beat of the music and really getting into it. It is really, really fun. It's one that I had played a few years ago when it was released, um, but I, and I was playing on PlayStation 4 for a bit, um, and I had plateaued at level six, but right now, I have been going back every once in a while on the PlayStation, but since I'm mostly on the PC now, I decided to check out the, the Game Pass version. I feel like there are a little few, a few changes based on the first few levels that I've played. Um, I think I finished level three at this point. And um, pretty much, you know, what this game is, is you play as a space beetle and then you gotta, you gotta defy and defy, defeat the nemesis in each uh, level. So there are usually two bosses in each level and um, and different levels in between. So it all combines together into one big level with um, like 22 to 24 parts or something like that. It's really, really fun. It's definitely one game that I really like. I think visually it's minimalistic, but still very colorful, very nice to look at. Um, at the same time, the whole game concept is challenging, but um, also... I guess it has a bit of the rage quit element. I guess some people will get really frustrated because you do need to be somewhat clear-minded in order to be able to react properly and not be angry of having to do something over and over again. I know that as I get further on, I think levels one to three is still okay, but when you get into, I think, the five and six levels, they get really, really challenging. A lot more elements are thrown in and um, a lot of different things to do and think, and you really need to be very clear on the precision in order to be able to make it through, since essentially you do only have two lives in every level. But the checkpoint system is pretty well, is well, pretty well set up, so that there are different breaks in between of the, of the sections to go back to that beginning of a section instead of the beginning of a level when you die. And that's pretty much Thumper. If you haven't checked it out, I do strongly urge you to check it out. I think that it is incredibly unique. The soundtrack is really nice. Um, the controls are easy. I love the challenge of it. Um, you can see that I really love it, especially since, you know, years after I'm still thinking about how to beat it and kind of cross that plateau that I reached. Um, but a lot of these games, I do admit that I, I do plateau in these games a lot, and then I just don't get further. But um, I'm still trying. I'm hoping that, you know, hopefully with a bit more practice, um, I will be able to make it past that. And plus, <laughs> now moving forward into watching. Uh, watching section was a lot more uh, simple in the sense that this week was a lot of rewatches um, and only one new. Uh, one new one that I watched, which is also a new release, um, a Netflix uh, original. So I'm going to start from the beginning. 
uh, new watch or rewatch or whatever. Um, from my first movie that I watched of the week was Enola Holmes. Um, 2020 Enola Holmes is an adaptation of the uh, book series. Uh, I had reviewed this before. Um, big fan of the movie. I think at this point I've probably rewatched the movie maybe about five, six times. Um, it's kind of my go-to when um, I need something in the background or I want a relaxing watch. Uh, I'm a big fan of it. I think that it's really great. Uh, for those who haven't seen Enola Holmes, it is a Netflix film which was released um, in, in 2020. Uh, which follows Enola Holmes, which is a spinoff from pretty much uh, Enola Holmes is Sherlock Holmes, a uh, teenage sister, who after discovering her mother is missing, she sets off to find her. And in the same in the same time, she's trying to dodge her brother's um, her brother's search so that she doesn't have to go to a uh, school, a finishing school or something like that. And um, at the same time, at the same time, he gets caught up with um, the disappearance of a young lord, uh, <laughs> which she, she ends up meeting and um, trying to, in, and the story quickly shifts into um, deciphering and figuring out the conspiracy that's going on with him as she has befriended him along the way of her escape. Um, I mean, I think Enola Holmes is super fun. Uh, as an action, it's full of action, full of adventure. Um, the story is really good. There's in, you know, it's, it's deep, but it's deep enough to be really exciting to watch. And I think that the whole acting and the whole breaking the fourth wall where, um, the character in Noah Holmes always is talking to the camera or looking at the camera or reacting to the camera. I think all those things really give this movie, um, a lot of charm, but I've already reviewed, I've already had a full review of Enola Holmes before. Um, I'm going to leave it. If you're coming from the blog, you're going to be able to check, um, check out the full review, uh, in the link below. Uh, if you're not, I'm going to be sharing my, uh, my blog address. You can check that out if you want. Um, but I mean, in short, highly recommend it. I, really really do love Noah Holmes a lot and I'm absolutely looking forward to a sequel which I believe has been announced. Uh, after that uh, I am actually currently working through I've been working through since the beginning of the year um, the Studio Ghibli movies and um, it while I haven't had any of the reviews go up yet they are definitely in the making and I'm working through it um, but I am watching Kiki's Delivery Service, and uh, Kiki's Delivery Service in 1989 is probably one of my favorite Miyazaki movies. Um, not only is it about a, young, a little girl, it's a young witch, there's a black cat. All of the interaction is really, really cute. The world it sets in and the interaction with her and this boy is very cute. And the whole courier service, the whole flying around, it has a little bit of a coming of age element to it. Um, very adventurous. The animation is beautiful. The city and the colors and everything just really comes to life. And it's definitely one that I absolutely um, love. I mean, if you haven't seen Kiki's Delivery Service, I think it might be one of the more underrated ones. Um, but the story itself is about um, Kiki, a young witch who has to go out for her mandatory year of independent life in order to kind of earn that <laughs> earn that title. And um, as she sets off, she finds a community that the, needs her help in the sense by uh, her air courier service so that she's able to bring different elements. And during that time, she meets different people and um, 
and helps out the town pretty much. Uh, of course, she has her own hardships where she has to deal with um, you know, a little bit of self-doubt and things that are happening to herself and, and that sort of thing. But um, overall, it's a pretty, I think it's a pretty fun one for sure. Um, colorful, um, happy. It, it it's it's very very uh, I think it's one of I think it's one of Miyazaki's best for sure, uh, so that's definitely a rewatch. I haven't seen this one actually in a pretty long time, so it was really really nice to revisit it. Um, I'm well I'm like I said before I'm slowly working through the um, Studio Ghibli and not just Miyazaki, but what is available on Netflix right now. I think there's only one movie that's not available and. Um, I think in a previous podcast I already mentioned that it's Grave of the Fireflies, which I'm pretty sure that movie is great. The movie is great, but I just don't want to watch it a second time because I don't want to go through depression for a week after watching it, which was what happened I remembered from the first time, after the first time that I watched it. Um, it is it is quite a movie, I can tell you that much, if you haven't seen it before. <laughs> um, after that, I went and I watched um, the newly released uh, documentary called uh, Why Did You Kill Me? Uh, Why Did You Kill Me is an interesting type of documentary. I can't say it's one of my favorite, but um, I think that it really does itself a lot of favors by keeping it as a movie type of format instead of a multi-part type of format, which... Um, recently has been the format that I've been watching, whether you talk about uh, the Cecil Hotel, Hotel one or you talk about um, uh, don't, fuck with, uh, don't Fuck With Cats or whether you talk about, you know, um, one that I'm going to be talking about later that I just started, um, which is The Disappearance of Madeline McCann. And honestly, for this one, Why Did You Kill Me? I think it starts out very strong in the sense that you have this family who is implicated, who loses their their 24-year-old daughter uh, and in a drive-by sort of shooting. And as the family talks about it, you start feeling like, you know, as they track down these people, there's a distrust with, uh, with the police. And then at the same time, um, they're trying to track down um, the gang that could be involved in it. And as they go through social media and trying to do different ways to figure the the truth out and track down who they who the person is responsible um there's a really fine line between um whether this is justice or revenge um for the family and as it looks into each person of the family and all the interviews i think that's where the problem is is that the crime itself feels like um it's it is definitely, I think every single crime is deserving of to find the truth and to find the killer. And for this one, there definitely was a more, um, I guess, a positive outcome because they did, they were able to track down at the end. And that's really, you know, the most positive outcome when you lose someone that you have some type of closure. And uh, while I think, th I think that's just the format of the whole thing and how the interview was conducted, that a part of it felt a little bit... Um, repeat a lot where the flow and the pacing of it felt like it was a little off um, the message behind it is definitely there and I think that it it is well worth I think thinking about where these type of situations where are you looking for justice or are you looking for revenge and that scary line where you kind of straddle and you don't know which way to go and that was um, you know as they talk about in the conclusion about how it goes I think it's um 
I think the ending definitely was quite uh, well worth, I think, watching for that fact. Um, it's just the whole um, progress of it and the layout of the documentary that I think was a little bit lacking in, in execution. Um, after that, I had another rewatch, and that was 2017's Anna and the Apocalypse. I don't know if I've talked about this before. I feel like I rewatch Anna and the Apocalypse a lot as well, um, whether it's Christmas or not. It's just, I think, the musical element and the zombie element that really, really captures me. Um, Anna and the Apocalypse is fantastic. I have great fun with it. I absolutely love it. I know, <laughs> I know the songs. I know the dialogue. I, you know, I know a lot of different things about this this uh, movie. And yet, every single time, I have so much fun watching it. It's just such a great movie to kind of put in the background or watch when I'm like needing some type of uh, fun little uh, story. It it is really really cool and um, absolutely one if you haven't checked out to to check out and. Uh, if you don't know what it is, Anna and the Apocalypse is a very unique one because it is a horror musical, um, which is pretty much that um, the world uh, the world is set in a the sleepy town of Little Haven during Christmas, where a zombie apocalypse breaks out and it forces Anna and her friends to kind of <laughs> to fight through to survive and head to where they think their friend their 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 loved ones are at the school and um, eventually they realize they have to figure out um, how to escape this world this new world that they're in uh, where and you know rely on each other and, and escape it's a pretty pretty it, I honestly this is a great movie um, I think that you know there are some little issues with it probably but I think that when you talk about putting together these random elements of horror and musical and adding a bit of comedy to it the movie works really well in tone um, even the songs are very very catchy and uh, the whole layout um, the comedy really lands obviously I think I've talked about it before is comedy is very subjective but for me the comedy really works and that's pretty much it for watching. Um, in terms of watching, I mean, I think I everything that I rewatch is well worth a highlight for sure. Um, I'm not sure. I mean, if you like documentaries, crime documentaries, you could check out the new one. Um, it's one of probably the ones that I'm the one that I'm the least excited uh, about talking about right now because it it didn't really. I think there were some parts that really did trigger me, but not enough to really impact me that much. Um, so yeah, I mean, if you have time, you haven't seen it, Enola Holmes, Kiki's Delivery Service, and in the Apocalypse, all worth a watch. Uh, and I'm, I'm probably going to be talking about those again, because when that, when things get stressful, it's always my go-to movie. And now moving on to, um, binging. Uh, this is actually a big week for binging. Uh, I know last week was kind of big as well, but, uh, this week was pretty good because, um, two of the series finished. And then there were a few that I started, which is great. Um, I'm going to talk about mostly the new stuff and none of the stuff that I already talked about in the last one, which is currently going on, um, because those are fairly new. There isn't really that much progress in there. Uh, so we're going to jump right in. Um, the first one I want to talk about is... Season two of The Circle USA is back. Um, I don't know if anybody watches The Circle, but I love Guilty TV on Netflix. I really do. Guilty Pleasure TV is 
just fantastic. Whether you talk about, you know, Too Hot to Handle or The Circle USA Season 1 or The Circle France Season 1 or all of them. I've watched all of them and they are amazing. They are so fun to watch and I think that The Circle is something that really in our current pandemic landscape is such a great world to do it because these people are cooperating in one building trapped in their own little rooms they don't get to see each other and even the commentary 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 is all off you know like not there it's it's you know recorded out uh, aside and it's such a great world you know in a world where that's all that we have to communicate with right now social media is one of those really big ones and it's just is just such a great show i mean you see all these different people whether they're catfish or not and you get to see all these interactions and I just think it's such a such a fun show to watch. I know it's not, you know, I don't need my shows to always be deep and <laughs> deep and powerful. <laughs> I think that's as simple as it gets. If you really like, you know, kind of some type of guilty pleasure type of TV, I definitely say The Circle is one to check out. Um, season two just started, so they're going to be uploading every single week. Um, I'm not going to be talking about it until it ends probably, but um right now uh, that's all i'm that's all i'm saying right now and and you know i the first four episodes so far really good especially since they have this cross hour, crossover um person that lives there which is from uh the too hot to handle show so it's uh, it's it's quite exciting um and fun i don't know if i did a review of it but uh if I did, I'm gonna. I definitely did a review of Too Hot to Handle. You can you can check it out the links at the bottom if you haven't yet. See if you know you think it's worth a worth a watch. Um, aside from that, I mean, I already talked about um, in the watching section um, that I had started a documentary, and um, I'm currently watching the disappearance of Madeline McCann. Uh, it's a 2019. Uh, documentary with eight parts um, and Netflix Netflix made uh, which looks at the disappearance of Madeline McCann um, a three-year-old who vanished from her seaside resort in Portugal when she was on holiday with her family um, a case that hasn't been solved so, I mean being you know not from the area not in Europe uh, I don't believe I've actually heard of the case especially because it was in 07 and um, I was going through my own trauma at that time at home, so we had our own family issues at that time. I don't, I'm not sure that, um, I noticed this, uh, but at the same time, um, it is a really interesting case to look at. Uh, I'm about halfway through as I'm recording this, and we've looked at, I think, um, the, the disappearance, the, the day of the disappearance and the time frame of what's gone on and um, the suspects that were going, that, that were in, in play, you know, that are sus the, the main suspects. And then also about the police investigation, pretty much about what was going down. Um, I mean, the case shifts all over the place. There's a lot of, you know, judgment. There's a lot of talk about, you know, the uprising of social media at the time and how that came into play and um, the press's involvement, the police's involvement, the difference of the different, um, uh, how things operate pretty much within the police um, and uh, the laws and stuff like that. I think in reality, it, it is, it's a much more than just a talk about the disappearance. There's a lot about the culture and a lot about um, views and 
and you know parenthood and and all those different um topics that get brought in whether you talk about negligence or um that sort of thing i think the case is so interesting and this is definitely one that i think is well worth a full-length documentary to to talk about and because it's eight parts it goes into a lot of detail and so far at least from the first four episodes the pacing has been pretty good in the sense of how it's all brought together and the the progression of each thing of each step that's been going on um i think at the end of four episodes we're at i think uh 150 days after the disappearance um which is you know wild i <laughs> think about um but then i mean in the case of disappearance i guess it's in a foreign country especially it's it's even harder to to track down right um there's not a whole lot to say i really think that you know i'm i'm really looking forward at this point to finish the series and um, to finish the documentary and really see uh, what other things they're going to talk about and how the 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 case itself progressed um, other than that, I mean, the next things that I finished, um, the ones that I finished were two TV series. Um, in terms of TV series, I had talked about it before, um, briefly for these two. The first one is A Murderous Affair in Horizon Tower, um, which was a TV series from last year. It is a, um mystery suspense crime type of tv series adapted from a novel uh this one looks at a woman who um a woman who is a coffee shop owner that lives in horizon tower uh who dies in her building a night on a night where the power goes out and the search for from two police officers is to figure out to investigate the different people who could be linked to it um, as they start off with the first three suspects every single suspect in reality gets um, a two-part like two different episodes which lays out their story and how they contribute and as different people bring in different things you realize where someone's lying where someone is coming in with something new or um, or how different uh, or how it brings back to her past and different people offer different information uh, whether it's an affair that she may have a relationship the friendships um, the personality that she is and all these different things get brought together and in reality um, the series being 16 episodes is really great because it gives it such great pacing um, and execution especially since I really love the idea of how they focus on one suspect and their story and then with that information it carries on to someone else that they may suspect or who is linked to that story and then they carry into the next part and then as you bring in her past and her family and her friends and and all the things that she's gone through that's crafted her into the person that she is the story unfolds and the ending is probably as surprising as where it starts and I have to say, you know, I was really anticipating this one um, when it first got announced. And then I was really sad that I didn't get to watch it until now. But then I'm super happy because the series was much better than I expected. I think the whole thing turned out to be so fun to watch. Um, they pasted in, you know, over a three-week period or four-week period. And the whole story just works really, really well. Um, 
I mean, there are some, you know, little acting issues and um, little roles that seemed a little weird. And um, some of the stories seem like it had some funky twist to it. But I think at the end when, you know, the whole story unravels itself and unfolds and you see how this whole thing uh, was, you know, how the whole whole thing went down and, and what really happened, it it really plays on, you know, personality and psychopath personality and um, victims and all kinds of different very, very strong type of um, issues that are at hand. Um, definitely one that I recommend. I mean, it's on Tencent, so you can probably watch all of it in subtitles uh, in, you know, on YouTube. And, I mean, the series itself is, is really, really great. Um, you know, barring a few little things, I think it really had me really intrigued the entire time. Uh, after that was The Sword and the Brocade. Um, the Sword and the Brocade is kind of odd. It's a new series. I finished it. It runs at 45 episodes, which is a little bit on the long end, and you definitely can tell by the end that it definitely feels pretty long. Um, it's also a series which isn't set in a fantasy world, so it is different from a lot of the ancient Chinese series that I watch, so it also has a more serious type of background to it um, and how the story is set. I'm not a big fan of series like this, usually. Um, I gave this a watch mostly because of Seven Tan, um, an actress that uh, after her role last year in Go Ahead, um, which was which is a fantastic series, um, I really wanted to check out a lot more of her stuff because um, I think she's a really great actress. Uh, this one, he, she's paired up with Wallace um, Wallace Chun. Chung. Who, um, this one, he's, she's paired up with Wallace Chung, which I happen to not really enjoy a lot. Um, and in terms of acting, I had seen him before in another series, which I didn't finish. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, this what this uh, in short, the sword and the brocade is set in the Ming Dynasty, and it revolves around the romance between the general and this concubine daughter, which is played by Seven Ten, who is uh, who starts who gets um, put into this arranged marriage. Um, her main purpose to be married is that her sister, who was the other wife of this general, has passed away, and she's there primarily to um, make sure that. Her sister's child is being taken care of properly and given, um, you know, given the advantages and not being bullied and taken advantage of because he's still very young. One side you have the general story, which is about, um, which is about uh, the emperor and his policies and fighting for uh, finding pretty much justice for people who have died from the from the duke's um, hand uh, or his family. At the same time, you're talking about Seven Tan's character, who who doesn't really want to, you know, who didn't want to be in this marriage in the first place, but is trying to be very, uh, is trying to take her role really well and take care of everyone as she can, but at the same time having these issues where no one trusts her because she, uh, because of her status as a concubine's daughter. Um, and she starts trying to fight for her freedom where she isn't lesser than everybody else, which eventually starts to, um, attract the general, aka her husband. <laughs> so they start having a, you know, they start finding love in, in the marriage. Um, 
you know, other than the fact that it's set in the olden times, it have a, has a much more serious tone. In reality, stories like this where it's an arranged marriage or a contractual marriage and they find love after marriage is a really popular story type of um type of a uh, type of story in Chinese dramas, especially of recent. <laughs> a lot of them are like this and it's not really something new. Um, I think what makes this one good is probably the fact that the character that Seven Tan plays is very, very charming to watch. She is um, very, you know, she is very, very uh, loyal, very courageous. She's a very great person in general, but people, judge her for who she from her background instead of for who she is which really causes her to have a lot of these issues i think that in the long run shows like this really bother me especially shows where it's about the era where there were a lot of wives and a lot of issues and in, in the family and stuff like that those movies tend to get really frustrating to watch and i think this one really was along the same lines um in that sense um but i mean the production value of this one is pretty decent. I do say that there are some good parts um, for this one. I definitely enjoyed. I think the I actually enjoyed the um, second, uh, the second, uh, the the secondary romance uh, character, which is her her servant and um, another general. Um, and it's it's interesting because you never really like I think that when shows like this happen and especially in Chinese dramas where I end up liking the second um, the supporting romance uh, the secondary romance more than the first one there is some issues with that um, I think it's really just the fact that I'm not a big fan of Wallace Chung and when he does his acting I don't really connect with his character as well and that's probably one of my biggest issues with the sword and the brocade other than that, I mean, this, the series is fine. It has good production value. The execution is decent. Um, it is a little longer than it should be. Um, it is, there are some very dramatic moments. Um, but, I mean, 710 does a really great job, which um, I'm very happy about. And uh, that's pretty much it for Sword and the Brocade. Um, if I were to say this week, uh, in terms of bingings, um, this pretty much wraps up binging. I would definitely say that I would recommend, um, if you like Guilty te Television, The Circle USA is great, whether you watch season one or season two, you know, you can check it out. I think it's, uh, it's a fun time overall, and you can shut your brain off. <laughs> I'm gonna say that right now, you can shut your brain off because you're not watching this with your brain on. And, um, and other than that, I mean, if you are interested in checking so out some Chinese dramas, um, you can always check out A Murderous Affair in Horizon Tower. It's one of, it's 16 episodes, it's very, very short in terms of Chinese dramas, and it's a very, very reasonable one. Um, I've really been enjoying this new new section of, of TV of uh, Chinese dramas, which is about crime and mystery. Uh, I've been watching a few of them this year, and they've really been rather impressive, and I think I'm going to start watching a few more of them than, you know, change up the pace from my normal uh, <laughs> romantic comedies uh, style. And uh, hopefully find some more um, depth in these Chinese dramas. Um, pretty much this wraps up uh, this week's, uh, week 16's What's Up. Uh, thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed, 
remember to like and follow. Um, um, you can always find uh, links, to, uh, related links and such um, on my blog and other reviews and uh, lots of stuff. I've had this thing going on for 10 years, so the blog's been going on for 10 years. There's, it's a good time to change, and uh, you can always check out all my stuff there, um, all the archive and everything um, on my blog, uh, Tranquil Dreams. Um, the website is kling.wordpress.com. You can also check out my Instagram um, Tranquil Dreams. You can check out my Facebook, which is Tranquil Dreams blog, and then you can find me on Twitter, Tranquil Dreams underscore. Um, related to gaming wise, I am started. I have started streaming. Um, I have no set schedule yet. Um, definitely working on it. I'm hoping to have a more set schedule when we get to May, uh, when things settle down in my personal work life. And um, you can find me there, uh, Twitch.tv slash Tranquil Dreams. Um, but you can also find me right now. I do, uh, co-streaming with one of my, uh, friends on Friday nights for, uh, Friday Frights, which is, uh, focused on horror games. Uh, we're currently playing The Evil Within. Um, and you can always check that out. My friend's, uh, Twitch is twitch.tv slash brandelsavage, B-R-A-N-D-E-L-S-A-V-A-G-E. Um, he recently got um, affiliated, so you can always check it out. Give him some support. Um, and that wraps up this episode. Thanks so much for listening. Um, till next time. Bye!